This morning, um, I've got a message for you from the book of James. We're going to be in James chapter 2. And it's titled, A Faith That Is Real. And so before I, before I get into the message, I want to pray one more time. Thank you, Lynn, for your introduction. And let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, that you are a real God, the real God. And uh, Lord, we, we thank you uh, that you speak to us from this word as you spoke to people 2,000 years ago. And so, Lord, we pray that we would not only hear your word, but that we would do your word. We would apply your word into our lives. And we want you to be glorified in all that is said and done. We give you the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've titled this message this morning, A Faith That Is Real. And uh, before I get into the message, I want to share with you a little bit about our church. So some 14 years ago, I think it's been 14, it might be even 15 now, but Pastor Allen came to our church. And when he came to our church, he got to know our community, got to know our church a little bit. And one of the things that stood out that God impressed upon his heart was the word real. The word real. And uh, anybody that's been in Uptown, I grew up in Uptown. Um, sometimes my wife and I joke and say, it's a little bit too real around here, okay? <laughs> can't say amen, say ouch. I mean, it's, it's, it's not for the faint of heart. People are very real. Um, and so anyway, the Lord led him to this vision statement that he put together for a state, uh, for a church. And it, it says, we exist to be a real church of the real God to a real world. And, and, and we said to be a real church. Part of being a real church, if you come to our church, you know that our church is real. It's a spiritual hospital. It means that we are not all together. We're not perfect. We don't, we're not a happy, clappy church. We don't pretend to have it together when we don't. Uh, sometimes we're hurting. And, and, and many of us have been hurting in and through this season. Many people in our church have lost loved ones through this season. Some from COVID, some from natural reasons, but we don't pretend to be what we're not. And that's a good thing. And then goes on to say that, that of the real God, and, and that, that, it, that word the is, is very important. The real God, meaning there is only one God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. One God, the real God. We worship him and him alone. And then to a real world. Anybody, as I've mentioned uh, uptown's real. People are real. I mean, if anything, I, I, we have that term uh, TMI. If you know what TMI means, it's too much information. Sometimes people give you way more information than you want to know. <laughs> and, and, uh, but the beauty of Uptown is, is people are not afraid to, to share their business with you and, and, and to be open about what's, what's, what's bothering them. And uh, you'll even hear a little bit about that in the message, but it's a real place. So it fits our church. So Tying that back to the message, faith that is real needs to be lived out. And, and that faith will be lived out through our words, through what we say. It will be lived out by how we treat people, whether they deserve it or not. And most importantly, it will be lived out through our actions. I, I mentioned earlier, and we showed pictures earlier from an organization called One North Side. And uh, Pastor Allen introduced them to us earlier this summer. We provide, provide basically uh, our cooler, our freezer for, for them to store their food uh, so that they give it, give it out in various communities. And so, as I said earlier, this, this week they, they gave out on Friday 120 turkeys. And they went all over 
uh, different parts of the community. Praise the Lord, guys. Um, went over to Target. Went over. I mean, they really worked hard to get those turkeys and get them donated and then to bless people in our community with them. And, and you know, it's an interesting thing. They, they experienced what I call an uptown moment as we were loading the truck on Friday. So Friday they had a U-Haul that was in front of the church. We were loading up the truck to get prepared for them to go out to Clarendon Park, which is our initial site, and then Wilson Broadway afterwards. And they encountered someone on the street. And, and the person began to give them a hard time. He wanted his turkey now. He wanted it right then and there. And they explained to him that, no, no, you know, we're going to go here first and you meet us over there. You can meet us on Wilson and Broadway. And he just went off. He went off. Matter of fact, he's cursing us out, cursing us out. And he, accused, he accused us a group of racism, okay? And, and it, it was really an interesting moment because all of us were black. All of us were African-Americans. How are you accusing us of racism? But, you know, moving on, I mean, so he left. We let him move on. Uh, it's like, you're not getting a turkey right now, brother. Sorry. But, you know, I could tell that it impacted the lady that was in our group. And she began to talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. And, and, and I could tell that she was losing her joy because she was like, hey, we're trying to do something good for the community. And everything's got to be done in, in, in fitting and orderly way. I mean, she's saying all the right things, but I could tell it was eating her up. And, and I was just trying to, praying for her as she was going through that. And then as we, we finished doing what we were doing, I said, let me pray for you as a group. And I realized that group... Uh, they're doing some wonderful things. Um, but, you know, we all need discipleship. We all need prayer. And, and we're all, when we try to do something good for the Lord, we have an enemy that tries to discourage us, don't we? And we need to know that. And so I just began to pray for them. I prayed God's protection for them. I prayed that, that they would not lose their joy while they did this, this, this event. And I also prayed and, and talked to them about, uh, about having setting some guidelines where they went out there and going by those guidelines and making sure that they, they let people know, here, here are the rules, here, you have to have your mask on, you have to be socially distanced, and just to not let that bad individual that would come up uh, ruin their day. Because I said, most people are going to have an attitude of gratitude. And so I just ministered to them and prayed with them, and then, and then they went on about their way. Now, I'm going to share with you that, you know, when I, when I share that, you if you've been in Uptown long enough, you've all experienced this. You've been in ministry, you've all experienced this. Um, and so there's some reasons why people do what they do, right? One of the reasons that people do these things is we minister to people that are hurting. And hurt people hurt people. And sometimes they're looking for someone to just dump their baggage on, and, and, and you happen to be that person. Sometimes people want control, and they recognize they, have, they don't have control, and so they try to forced control on you and saying get things on their terms. And lastly, sometimes, unfortunately, we have this welfare mentality where we encounter people and they say, you owe me. You owe me this. And we don't owe you. We're doing this out of the goodness of our heart and, and to glorify the Lord. And so we, we just keep those in mind. And regardless, when we, when we know these things, we still minister to them. But I want to encourage you as, as we continue to do the ministry that we're called to do, we don't let people... Don't let a person steal your joy and realize who the real enemy is. So I'm going to move on and talk to you about the book of James. And to talk about the book of James, I have to talk about when I first came to know the Lord. I came to know the Lord in 1990 at this church. And, and 
when I, when I first came to know Jesus, I was so in love with him. And, and I was reading, I was started reading from the uh, book of Matthew, read through the Gospels. And, and it was, the Bible was a love letter to me. I, I just really, I was experiencing God's grace and his love and his mercy. And, and I was so excited. And then I got to the book of James. And I have to tell you, when I read the book of James, first time I read the book of James, I said, why is this in the Bible? What is this about works? This is about grace. I mean, I literally wanted to just take it out the Bible. I had some issues with the book of James. But I have to tell you, now that I've been in this walk for a long period of time, James is one of my favorite books of the Bible. It's very real, very in front of your face. And so we'll explain, I'll, I'll get you through that, explain this difference between faith and works and, and what this book's talking about as we break it down. But before I go on, I want you to know that we are saved by grace. And I want to share two scriptures with you. One, Titus 3, verse 5, and then Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. And Titus 3, 5 says, He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you've been saved, through faith, And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So I want you to know the bottom line is this. Jesus is enough. Amen? Jesus is enough. Jesus, it's not Jesus plus baptism. It's not Jesus plus church attendance. It's not Jesus plus confirmation. You know, all those things are good, but Jesus, it's him and him alone. Jesus did everything that needed to be done. And that's why he said on the cross, when he died, he said, it is finished. Amen? All right, we're going to go on. Um, I want to give you a little context of this book just before we get into it. In in the book of James, uh, James the Just, as he was called, was the brother of Jesus and the leader of the Jerusalem Council. At first, he did not even believe that Jesus uh, who, who Jesus was. Imagine that, your brother. Um, and he even challenged and misunderstood his mission. Um, and so that's a little bit about James. James is a book that, that boldly asks the question, is your faith real? It's a tough and yet a practical book. It's very much in your face. And his audience were most likely Jewish believers as evidence that by the, as the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. And so let's, let's, uh, let's read together this passage starting with verse 14. The word of God reads, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. It's the word of God. That statement while you said, uh, that said, go and wish you well, keep warm and well fed. It's, it's a nice pr- wish, a nice prayer for the welfare of the poor. But, but in reality, it's a cop-out. It's a cop-out, masking a refusal to help a person that's in need. You know, I want to praise the Lord for the history of Uptown Baptist Church. I've been blessed. I've been grafted in. So many of these things I did not take part in. I just came in 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 the middle of, but I've witnessed it. And so I'll start by talking about the Monday night meal. The Monday night meal came about a number of years ago, way back in our history. 
because the government was donating food. And I don't know if anybody, anybody remembers this, but they used to give these big chunks of cheese, these government food, and all these different things. And we frankly had to do something about it. We had to get rid of the food. And so we started giving it out. And that was the beginning of the Monday night meal. And that Monday night meal has continued through our history. And we continue to give to, to people in our, in our community uh, that are food challenged. Some are homeless. Some just don't have enough food. So every Monday, right now, every other Monday, we give out food to people in our community that need it. And, and I have to tell you, we, we wrestled with what was going to happen to the Monday night meal when COVID happened. We said, we're we going to have to shut this down. What are we going to do? We can't bring them in. And many, many places did shut down. But I praise God, we talked it through, we prayed about it, and, and right now we take the meal to them. We take the meal, and, and, we, and this Monday, this Monday, yesterday I was here at the church uh, preparing for the message, and, you know, I had to go down to the kitchen. And uh, they were cooking up them turkeys and slicing and dicing, and it was, it was a I love that smell of, of fresh-cooked turkey, you know. Um, but they were preparing everything. What we're going to do on Monday is we're going to, they have these really nice to-go containers that they prepared, and we're going to put all the food in these nice to-go containers, give them the utensils. Uh, we're going to supply also, in addition to that, we're going to give people face masks because we want people to wear them, and uh, we're going to give those to them, give them information on the church, and then we're going to give them a Bible track because we give them the face masks to keep them physically alive. We give them um, the, the, the Bible track so they might know the Lord. They might be spiritually alive. And, and so we want, them to, we want them to have that. So we, we give them the physical food and we give them what we call the soul food. And so we'll just be praying for the Monday Night Meal volunteers tomorrow. I want to give them a shout out, just name them by name. Michelle Murphy, who, who leads it. Uh, Cynthia Pearson, uh, Carl Morris, and Michael Misleviats. There are other volunteers that I'm, I'm missing, but those are the main four that they keep this thing going. I'm so thankful for them and their faithfulness to the Lord. And uh, so anyway, just, that's the Monday Night Meal. I also want to mention um, uh, the women's shelter. Uh, for a number of years, I'm not sure how many years it went on, but we had, a, we had a situation in Uptown where a woman froze to death. I think they found her in a dumpster or something. It was a bad situation. And God put it on our heart to start a shelter uh, and, and started a shelter for women. And for, for a long period of time, our church had, we're, we were housing between 40 to 50 women downstairs uh, from about, 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. every every night, and it was it was sacrificial ministry. It really was. I mean, it, it took hard hard over on the building and everything else. But but God called us to that ministry, and it was an opportunity to minister in a, in a needed way. And it protected the women both from the elements outside, but also from domestic violence issues, just lots of different things. And it started to try to bring them in a place where they could get a get an apartment and get a home again. And so. That's the Monday night meal. And then lastly, I'll mention God's people. God's people, I have to think about Vanessa, who I miss so much. Got, Vanessa is always here. At you. If you see Vanessa, she's going to ask you what the fruit of the Spirit is. And if you don't know it, she's going to call you out. Okay, I'll just tell you that. And so, uh, but, but Vanessa is part of God's people. And God's people is a ministry to, to the halfway house. Uh, we have halfway houses in the community. It would minister to to them. We named it God's people, and then we would even have a service here for them, their own service, where we would bus them in and have, once a month, have God's people together, and uh, just a sweet group. And so that's a little bit about the history of the church, and, and I, I thank God that Pastor Queen, he went in to this thing as he came to Uptown and said, you got to look at the felt needs of the people. 
And you meet those felt needs in order to lead them to the real need, which is Jesus. Amen? So while we need to remember we can't earn our salvation through good works, these works represent the fruit of our faith. And so we're called as believers to meet the physical needs of communities as well as to share the gospel. And so, it, it, so social justice, it's not social justice versus preaching the gospel. It's both and. Both those things need to happen together. And that's why it says faith without action is dead. I called Brother David Anuha yesterday and I told him, I said, I'm preaching your message tomorrow. And if David was here, he would, he would tell you right now, if he was up here, he'd say, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. And he'd say, don't be just hearers of the word. Be doers of the word. Do the word. Do what it says. And, and so there are many people that talk and talk a good talk, but they're not walking the walk. They're not doing what the word says to do. It goes on in verse 18 to say, but someone will say, you have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. What a statement that is, huh? Verse 18, James explains there's no such thing as faith Christians, indeed Christians. That's foolishness. And, and then he makes a shocking statement. James says even the demons have this type of faith. Brothers and sisters, do you know that the demons know that God is real? They know God is real, but they don't follow him. They don't serve him. You remember in many of the scriptures, in many of the gospels, we see situations where the demons even know who Jesus is. They know he's the Messiah. Sometimes he had to silence them. And so they know. They know who, who God is. but They don't follow him. Some people think that understanding who God is is enough. But it's not. It's not merely intellectual assent to the Christian faith. That doesn't save anyone, just knowing about God. It's more than that. It's a relationship with him. And the faith that saves embraces the truth of the gospel and then acts accordingly with it. So the truth is these two things, faith and works, go hand in hand. They go together. It's not one or the other. It's both together. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so if you are really saved and you are fully trusting in Christ's finished work on the cross for your salvation, you don't just believe it in your head. You are fully trusting it in your heart. It's like this chair that I have right here. It's like if you looked at this chair and you said, you know what, I believe this chair exists. I believe it has four little portions on it. You know, you can describe the chair. You look at the chair and say, I believe in this chair. But you never sit in the chair. Do you really believe in it? That's how it is with our walk with God. If you believe that Jesus is Lord, then you sit in the chair and you put your trust in him. You begin to live it out. You begin to allow him to lead your life. And that's how it has to be with our walk with the Lord. Amen? In verse 20, it goes on to say, You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was our, not, not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, 
Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see, a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Now I want to be clear here, apart from its context, verse 21 might seem to contradict the biblical teaching that, that people are saved through faith in Jesus Christ alone and not, not good deeds. But, but James is, here's what's happening here. James is explaining that righteous action is evidence of genuine faith. Not that it saves, but righteous action is evidence of genuine faith. And to make this clear, James goes on and substantiates this point when he says, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. The key verse is 22. I'm going to read that in just a second. Verse 22 says, You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was what? It was made complete by what he did. So the reality is while works is never to be seen as a basis for our salvation, it is the demonstration of the fruit of it. And God talks a lot about our fruit. He says he will know you by your fruit. Abraham was trusting God so much that he was willing to do whatever God told him to do even sacrificing his son Isaac. I'm going to give you another example of of this. Pastor Allen used to teach uh, evangelism course. That was his passion, was evangelism. And he'd teach our evangelism course here. And and we would learn about evangelism. He had lots of books to read. uh, But but, but he, he did evangelism in a different way. After we read the books, you know what? We went out and did it. Part of the class was going out in the streets of Uptown, cold turkey, and evangelizing and witnessing. And you know what? That's how we grew. And when I said that we grew, that didn't mean that necessarily you led that person to the Lord right then and there. Sometimes we did, sometimes we didn't. But when we share our faith, we are made complete. When we share and we're true to who we are. We're made complete. And that's how we grew. And it's the same thing with the prayer meeting. In our prayer meeting, when the weather gets nice, we're not doing that right now, but when the weather gets nice, we often say it's time to get out of our seats and into the streets. And so we have a little time in here where we prepare to go out. And, and we would go out on the streets of Uptown. And we would prepare a nice little lemonade stand and a little water stand out there. And it's, like, it's called Free Lemonade, Free Prayer. Learned this from Phil Migliorati, who served as interim pastor here. And... and it would always happen. We'd we pre- be prepared. So some people are going to take the lemonade. Some people are going to take the prayer. Some people are going to take both. Some people are going to walk on. And we would prepare each other so we wouldn't react, you know, when people would, would, would blow us off or whatever. But people were so amazed that we came out. They're so glad to see the church out that they were moved to just open up and share prayer needs and share their lives. Sometimes they didn't even take the lemonade. They said, man, I just can't believe you guys are out here. And our faith was made complete as we did that. We would grow. I remember bringing my kids out there. My kids, Matthew and Sarah, they would not go out there. Okay, they would sit on the front steps and they sit on the stoop. Matthew's like, I'm not going any further. I know the people of Uptown. I'm not going out there. And he stayed out there. And over time, over weeks of time, he would soften up. And then he was at the table with us. And he was giving out lemonade with us. I mean, he still was freaked out by some of the things that happened uh, out there in Uptown. You know, Uptown's a special place. 
Um, but you know, they grew. They grew in their faith as they stretched and they came out. And, and some they observed initially, but then they got involved. And then they were sharing. And our faith were made complete. And same thing, uh, I'll close with, with this, uh, for, for examples, that turkey giveaway. You know, there's something that happens. These guys that were, that were giving them out, I don't know where all of them are with the Lord. But they were doing something good. And they knew it. And it made them feel good to be doing this thing, to be out there and ministering. He said, it, it just feels good to be a blessing to our community. We want to give back to our community. And, and so pray for those, those guys at One Northside. God, God would continue to grow them and draw them to himself and use them. Um, but they were made complete by what they did on Friday. And, was just, and the same thing's going to happen tomorrow night. So in, in summary, I have two points. One, there is a faith that leads to salvation. And that is trusting in Jesus Christ alone as our Lord and Savior. And I share this again in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from your, yourselves. It is the gift of God. But even that faith is given to us. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. But secondly, the fruit of our faith is seen in our works. In other words, we need to be who we are or who God has called us to be. And, and that I close with verse 10. We often read Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, but we remove verse 10. Verse 10 is key. Verse 10 says this. It says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Brothers and sisters, God has prepared good works for you and I to do. Some of the works that he's prepared for you, they're for you. I'm not there. They're for you. He's put those in front of you. And he's called you to act in those good works. And in order to do that, though, we have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We have to be sensitive to the Lord because you will pass them by. I've passed them by many a time because I've just been so busy and so focused on other things. So I encourage you just to ask the Lord. Say, Lord, help me see the divine appointments that you have for me today. Help me see those things and then to to join you where you're at work. I remember I learned this lesson uh, when I was on vacation. Sometimes when I would go on vacation, I would go on vacation from the Lord. I'm just being honest with you. I, I, I realized I was doing that, and the Lord convicted me of that. And I remember going on a, on a trip to Costa Rica uh, with Mary's family. And, and I remember this time I said, I'm going on mission, even as I'm going on vacation. And I remember I talked to our Spanish congregation. They gave me tracts in Spanish because I, I don't know the language. So they gave me these Bible tracts and began to pray. And I had witnessing opportunity after witnessing opportunity after wit on the plane, our drivers that were driving us, just all these situations. And I wouldn't have seen them because but I asked the Lord, show me, help me be ready. And even to the time we left for the airport, I had one last driver. And one of my last tracks, giving it to him. I mean, and so I'm just sharing that with you, that God says this. He has these works for you, divine appointments for you and I. And even in COVID, this season, if you ask him to show you where those opportunities are, he will show you. And then just step out in those opportunities. He'll even give you the words to say what to do in those situations. So I just encourage you with that. So as I close, my question is, what about you? In what areas of your life is God calling you to, to more live out your faith? And then what has God prepared in advance for you to do? As I said, that's different for each one of us. 
And then what radical act of obedience has the Lord asked you to do that maybe you're unwilling to trust him for? Sometimes God asks us to step out in ways that we're uncomfortable. Uh, but but he's, he's, he's testing our faith. He's growing our faith. He's going to make us more complete as we step out. And so it really comes down to trust, doesn't it? It really comes down to sitting in that chair and trusting the Lord and following him. And then the fruit of our faith, as I said earlier, is seen in our works. Lastly, some of you that are listening today, you might need first to receive the new life. Maybe you have not yet trusted in Christ. You may have just realized as you're listening to this message, I'm not really saved. You may have thought you were saved by your actions. I, I talked to somebody the other day. I thought this way before I became a believer. I said, yeah, I'm saved. I do good works. You know, I haven't hurt anybody. I haven't killed anyone. But guess what? You know, that's not, that's, you know, some of you say, well, I go to church. I try to be a good person. Those are all good things. But guys, that's not going to get you to heaven. We all fall short of the glory of God. It, it, it doesn't work that way. Our works are, are nothing. They're filthy rags before the Lord. And so it's very simple. It's really coming before the Lord, admitting who you are. He already knows that you're a sinner. He already knows that you mess up in things that you are supposed to do that you don't do. And then some things that you do that are just flat out wrong. And so he asks us to be honest with him, to be real with him. And to say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me for my sins. And then to invite Jesus in to recognize that Jesus made a way where there is no way for you and I. He made a way so that we might have a relationship with him and with, with, with our Father, with the Lord. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't done that, to put your trust in him. For those of you that are here that know the Lord, God's not done with you yet. He's got work for us to do, and we want to be about those good works that he's called us to do and to continue to do those things. And so with that, I want to close this with a word of prayer. Let's close. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. I thank you for the book of James, Lord. I, uh, I had a hard time with this book the first time I read it, but now it's one of my favorite books because it, it brings our faith to life. And I thank you, Lord, that you see the, we see the fruit of our faith as we, we do the good works that you've called us to do. So, Lord, I pray that we would be on mission for you, that we continue to seek your face, continue to ask you what the plans and purposes that you have before us, that we would step out in faith and, and do those things, knowing that you're going to lead and guide us in those situations. And, Lord, I pray for those that are listening today, too, that may not, have, may not know you. Lord, I pray this might be their day of salvation, their day where they would simply pray and receive you, Jesus, as their Lord and Savior. Be glorified, Lord, even in the season where we, we have to stay in. Uh, but, Lord, as we stay in, we pray we, we would continue to reach out in Jesus' name. Use us for your glory, we pray. Amen. Amen.